Today we continue our series on Jack the Ripper. In part two, we'll continue our look at the canonical five killings, discuss a few other murders that may or may not be associated with the Ripper, learn about his first letters to the media, and discuss how he terrorized George Lusk, a civilian just trying to keep his streets safe. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought we were going to wrap this up tonight with two parts, clearly you don't understand the complicated nature of Ian's artistic genius. See you again next week. This is Necronomapod. It is an amazing thing for a murderer to sign themselves. A tremendous sort of taunting. They've merged together Jack, which is a classic name, Spring Hill Jack character, who was a Victorian bogeyman character at the time, and Ripper, which obviously, you know, encapsulates an aspect, a key aspect of the murders themselves. So combining the two, you've got a very powerful, evocative name. He'd taken out her uterus. He'd removed one of her kidneys. So the scene that confronted the police was as gruesome as it gets in terms of the Ripper's attacks. So within an hour, two women are now lying dead on the streets of London. Have you guys ever just woken up and thanked God that you lived in a day and age where we had Maroon 5 on the radio? Yeah. <laughs> Can I remember a time when I would do that? No. Okay. I don't think I have. One more question before we dive in. What do you got, Mike? What is a or some overrated television shows? In your humble opinions, the biggest one I think is Big Bang Theory. Oh, it's number one. It's one of the worst shows that's ever <laughs> been made. I agree. That's on, that would be on my list too. I I sent you guys this message earlier, a question earlier, so you guys could think about it, and then I stopped putting all thought into it. So I have nothing. I'll just feed off you guys. <laughs> you just blew your load. That's all you got. Well, I have one show, but I think we've talked about it before. But Big Bang Theory for sure. Yeah. Because people would keep telling him, like, all right, I'll try to watch it. It's unwatchable. It's not funny it's, at all. The writing's terrible. I, I just, I don't understand. Like, once we crossed over into, like, 2005, you can't watch a show with a laugh track. Like, yeah. we have advanced behind, you know, <laughs> someone should tell CBS that. I don't think they've realized really? every show they still make has a laugh track. But like, I don't need to be told when to laugh nowadays. Like if it's an older show, sure. If you're mm -hmm. watching something like because it's just part of the culture, like Big Bang Theory, is that still on? Like it ended like a year ago with a laugh track. Yeah. Isn't, Fuck out of here. Isn't the new one, the young Sheldon, doesn't that have a laugh track? Oh as my well? God. Yes, I have no because idea. Because it's on CBS. <laughs> Horrible. I'm not joking. When I think, when I say, I think every show on CBS, other than like their CSIs have laugh tracks. And you know what that one has? Yeah. <laughs> I do know what they have. <laughs> Can't you? Isn't there a clip on on YouTube of rough cuts of that of that show with this uh, the the laugh track removed? And you're like, yeah, this is not funny at no, all. Yeah, I think so. It's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, worst TV show ever. Yeah, it's not good. Atrocious. Is it the worst TV show ever, or an awful show that is awful that is Wor also extremely overrated? Yeah, like worst highest rated show ever. Yeah. Yeah, people love that shit, man. If I asked what the worst show ever was, do you have an answer? Like, it's probably something that lasted, what, half oh, a season? Rough. I, I think I always go back to that show. I think we've talked about it before that you guys didn't remember, but Cop Rock, where yeah. it was like cops, but like doing musical dancing <laughs> numbers during the show. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous that thing ever. fucking awesome. <laughs> How has that not been like a it's, reboot? It's not awesome. Oh, okay. So Google or uh, YouTube, uh, Cop Rock. So Big Bang Theory, most overrated show. Yeah, at least in Ian's mind, real quick. I'll give you my number two. You're not going to like it. 
Scrubs. But does that show get that much I don't hype? Love that show. I think a lot of people love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't, I, I don't it think it's funny at all. I don't think it was getting nominated for any Emmys or anything. No? I thought it was. I, I thought, thought it was real highly rated. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't. I don't I don't remember it being that way. Hmm. It is one of my top three all-time favorite shows. That's why I picked it. Yeah. You know, of course. <laughs> but I don't remember it being like all the hype. It just was one of those like low-key shows that lasted hmm. a long time. Okay. Nine seasons, which is crazy. Yeah, that's, Maybe that's about what the office um, lasted for, right? Yeah. Nine or ten. Yeah. But they like I remember the office was nominated for all kinds of stuff the mm. first few years. Like Modern Family lasted forever. That was nominated for all kinds of stuff. I don't know if Scrubs was, I didn't realize. Mm. Wasn't exactly following the Emmys. I was right gonna now. list it anyway, just because to <laughs> Of course. You know. For so, obvious reasons. So that was your number two. Your number one was also Big Bang Theory? Or did you have a number one that you wanted to no, say? Big Bang's number one. I went with it first. Yeah, I do one, two, three. <laughs> Why well, no? But well, Ian was the one who technically said it, and then you. No, said, that was also the top two. of my list. Gotcha. Too. All right, but Friends is the next. That, that's one. exactly oh, what I was. Friends say. is the only one on my it's list. Terrible. I understand that it was big in its day, and I get that. But a lot of other shows were also big in its day, and you could still watch today. I didn't hate Friends when it was on, but like it was just what it was. I can't have it on now for. Th- 10 seconds without being like, this is the cringiest television I have ever seen in my life. It is the cringiest show of all time. It's awful. Yeah. It's it's the only thing that comes to mind when I think of overrated television shows. And Arrested Development. That's a good one, too. <laughs> I forgot all about it because I put that on my mind. I couldn't get through 10 episodes. I tried to like it and watch it. I know. It. And I was like, Jason I, Bateman. I'm, I amazing. Love I'm like, I don't get it. It's not funny. This is just not for me. It's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. My top We've five. talked about this. Yeah. I forgot about that one, too. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. Because I, I, like, like I don't even remember laughing other than like maybe one or two parts in the first 10 episodes. Oh, I couldn't get into it. I didn't like the reboot on Netflix. I, I heard people they, say that. I, watch yeah. that. I wish they would have just left it alone. But And Dave, you watched the whole series? Or no. No. Oh. no. Yeah. No, I couldn't get to, I couldn't even make it to the first season. I, I watched a few. So I gave it 10 episodes because I was like, okay, maybe I'm missing something. It's going to kick into gear. It did not. Alas, not for me. Now that we've pissed off half of our <laughs> listeners with all of our shit on shows. There's a, I don't know, you and I were both looking at it. It seemed like the same list when we were talking. Mm. Some people that were saying like shows were overrated online. It's like, God damn, what do you watch, man? They had like everything on there. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, Stranger Things. They were shitting on. Breaking Bad. I did have, I we talked about this earlier. I do think Breaking Bad is overrated in the sense of I went into it hearing like other people tell me it's the greatest show of all time. It was not. It was far from it. But it was still a really good show and I was entertained. I don't know if it was far from it. I don't I, think that's accurate. <laughs> I could have stopped watching at any time and never thought about it again. Like it didn't make me need to come so back. So you say. Yeah, it didn't make me need to come back. Well, I told people I'd finish it, so I finished it. Hmm. I, I didn't. So I think it's overrated. But it's not it's not grossly overrated. I just don't know how it, that could be the greatest show of all time, especially when there's, you know, things like Becker out there, just obviously <laughs> a fantastic sitcom <laughs> and married with children. I think trying to put the best tag on something is really hard to do. Like to say best it's show. It's true, because then you, oh, you yeah. heighten expectations and you're waiting to be blown away. And yeah. They always talk about the golden age of TV being in the 50s, you know, at the dawn of television. But now is the golden age of television. There's so much great stuff in the past. Well, there's five, 10 years. And well, on top, there's just so much stuff that like, yeah. you know, there's all that trash. But like with all the, the, the networks, plus like 
the Netflix series and all mm-hmm. like the Amazon series and the iTunes stuff. There's just so much content that it has to be the golden age because you there's literally something for everybody. Right. My reading really suffers these days because it's just so much easier and there's such great television programming on. Need I remind you, Dave, you said you would rid the world of books given the choice between movies, music and books. So well, I admit my laziness. <laughs> I don't hide it. It's in plain sight. Um, OK, I have one more. Go on. Let's, let's lost mm-hmm. and like lost. That was silly. I I really liked it, and then it was spoiled for me. Mm. So I was like, "Well, fuck yeah, yeah." I'm like, "Fuck this show now." I mean, look what's the point? I've been watching this forever. Mm. So yeah, that wasn't great. What about? I didn't watch Lost, and I, but I know you guys like started Walking Dead, and then you're just like, "Fuck, abandon ship!" Like this is awful. Yeah. I put up with it for a long time. And at some point I'm like, I'm not watching this anymore. Yeah. That's how I was with American horror story. Like they just get too goofy each season. I've never liked a season of American horror story. That's another one. It's not good. I like the first three episodes and then I'm like, Oh wait, this sucks. It gets gets so complicated and convoluted and weird. Like if they just stuck to a basic script for like a season, it'd be fantastic. There was a couple I liked, like the freak show one I liked and then the one, the hotel with Lady Gaga, like that was good. <laughs> but like other than that, like like the Roanoke was terrible. Mm. That was when I stopped watching. I didn't. I don't think I even finished the season. I've never finished a season of it. I always Me watch like, yeah. th- the first three episodes. I'm like, those are only the good things. The show. Yeah. Watch the first three, and then nope. that's it. Like first episode, I'm like, all right, this is pretty cool. And then it just progressively gets worse. Agree. So stop. Yeah. Walking Dead. I stopped after they killed off a main character. That's still or was still very much in the comics. Comics <laughs> are over. So once they just you think they need straight a, up change the story, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Maybe they needed a ratings bump that week. I don't know. I don't know how anybody still watches that show, to be honest. It's still on. Yeah. How about that Game of Thrones finale? Huh? Am I right? <laughs> I actually rewatched <laughs> season seven and season eight. Not that was that like last month I did that. Is that the la- the end of it? Yeah. Season eight's the last one. So I watched both the last two. I stand by my decision. I liked how it ended. I like how it ended. And you said it was okay. It was okay. It, it wasn't great it for you. It was sloppy writing, but I stand by my opinion. <laughs> okay. It was sloppy. I don't like how they did certain things. They left stuff like you said untouched. Like just, they would just like never you know, wrap some things up. And just killing off in such poor and dishonorable fashion, like some of the best characters on the show. Maybe they want it to be real life. Yeah. Not everyone gets a great death. Wasn't great. Okay. There was one part that did not make sense to me regarding rocks falling down. Yeah. And how a certain person was easily able to step 20, <laughs> 10 feet to her right. <laughs> that, aired, that aired how long ago? I think you can talk about it. I don't think we, hey, no, if, we if, won't because yeah, somebody still, still might people. watch it. They could hit the little fucking 30 second skip button and we're back. A certain gentleman's able to magically find people that are underneath some rocks. Yeah, when they should have been dumb. Yeah, that didn't that did not make sense. That character, that certain character, was the best character, my favorite character in the whole series, and should not have been how she ended. I'll disagree on that. <laughs> if only anyone knew what the fuck you guys were talking about, but you're you're kayfabing the whole thing here. Everyone but people like you know exactly what we're talking about, Mike. Yep, maybe. No, because I 100% will think that show is overrated just because that's not my genre. And I know that going into it. No need to watch it. Yep. What's okay? I'm going to drag this out a little bit more. I don't give a fuck. What's the best finale of all time? Series finale. 
They're usually bad. Cause I know. California it's hard to close. Californications was good. It was all right. I liked it. I the last it, season was well, The last season silly, was okay, but, but the finale needed to, was exactly what it should have been. Yeah, it was fine. I don't know about a series finale. Because... If you include what was the movie that they did with Breaking Bad? I, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll say that's the best with the movie. If you use the movie, mm. it was good. Yeah. Yeah, put the movie in, then yeah, that that's good. Because I got real invested in Sopranos. That ending was terrible. <laughs> like, what the fuck was that's that? That's another one that people debate, though. Like, yeah. was it great it was, or was uh, it okay? Yeah, I don't know. I need to watch that show. It's been on my, like, queue to watch forever, and I just haven't done it yet. That's one of those ones that I couldn't stop watching. I know I'll love it. I know I will. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> anyway. I don't really have a good I know. Answer. I threw that I on you without warning. I really love that one season of Watchmen. I thought it ended fantastic. So I'll go but with But then that. it just got canceled too, right? Like, what are you well, like I didn't want to do another season, but it was perfect. Oh, it was his choice. Okay. One of the best seasons of television ever. Well, you know what's not the finale? Part two of Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Where are we at? Love your segue work. (laughs) (laughs) Where we left off on part one, we had just covered the first murder in the series of murders known as the Canonical Five. And the first two murders that showed up on the police's Whitechapel murders file. These, along with the murders that will occur after the Canonical Five, are debated on whether or not that they're Jack the Ripper murders. Um, Even one that we're going to get into tonight that's in the Canonical Five people debate if she's actually a victim. So it's just a whole mm. whole bunch of debate going on here in this story. <laughs> As the investigation into Mary Ann Nichols continued, police started hearing rumblings from sex workers about a guy that creeped them out that they nicknamed Leather Apron because he was always seen wearing a leather apron, which from what I was reading does not seem uncommon because there was a lot of slaughterhouses mm. and this is, you know, I mean, there's not really showers and all that oh, kind of stuff. So God. after people were done in the slaughterhouses, they would just walk to their lodging houses in their apron and covered that, in that blood makes and sense. shit. Yeah. I, I, I like I picture him as Daniel Day Lewis in the streets of New York, Bill the Butcher, like just yeah. playing with that mustache, sharpening <laughs> knives with his leather apron on. My mind is slaughterhouse was the nickname of my dorm room in college. (laughs) (laughs) My mind immediately went to the leather apron would be like one of the shittiest professional wrestlers of all time. That name just does not sound great. Oh, you mean, I thought you were hypothetically, like if it was, well, you know, in, uh, (laughs) he's trying to figure it out. Well, who wore leather apron? I don't know. God damn it. I don't know. I should know this. No, because I was like, well, wait, why is he not talking about it? And FMW, Uh, the Japanese promotion, they did deathmatch wrestling. They had a deathmatch tournament. And in it, they had a Leatherface character oh. from the movie who had like the apron. Okay. And it was played by Terry Gordy of the Freebirds. But he had the mask and he had like a chainsaw. And I was like, oh, so you mean him? But then I was like, well, wait, he's not talking about him. I just imagine someone named the, the leather, le- apron. leather Apron <laughs> would be the shittiest the wrestler. Apron. <laughs> He has like a black glove. Like he gives you like the like the claw, and then you like your face just oh, takes you down. Like, yeah. <laughs> Who did that? Who was uh, big guy? Uh, Kurgan. Remember that dude? Oh yeah, yeah. Good, good uh, throwback to the '90s. He was around for like a cup of coffee. Right. Then he became an actor, big time. Like he's in a lot of uh, movies now. He plays like the, the the monsterish heel in movies. That makes sense. Yeah, I forget his real name. Anyways. According to these women, he sometimes wore a deerstalker hat 
and that he was running an extortion operation, demanding money from these women and then beating the ones who refused to give to give him money. Through their investigation, police were certain that whenever people in this area spoke about Leather Apron, they were referring to a man named John or Jack Pizer. So at this time, that's who they were looking for. Deerstalker hats like the Sherlock Holmes hat. Oh, I had no idea what that is. I was curious, so I looked it up. In-depth research on my end today. The more you know. (laughs) On September 5th, 1888, the Star newspaper ran the first of several articles that panicked people living in the area and really pissed off the police who were trying to keep any information they had sealed for investigation purposes. The article said, quote, Leather Apron, the only name linked with the Whitechapel murders, the strange character who prowls about after midnight, universal fear among women, slippered feet, and a sharp leather knife. He's five feet four or five inches in height and wears a dark, close-fitting cap. He's thick-set and has an unusually thick neck. His hair is black and closely clipped, his age being about 38 or 40. He has a small black mustache. The distinguishing feature of his costume is a leather apron, which he always wears, and from which he gets his nickname. His expression is sinister and seems to be full of terror for the women who describe it. His eyes are small and glittering. His lips are usually parted in a grin, which is not only not reassuring, but excessively repellent. He's a slipper maker by trade, but does not work. His business is blackmailing women late at night. A number of men in Whitechapel follow this interesting profession. He has never cut anybody so far as known, but always carries a leather knife, presumably as sharp as leather knives are wont to be. This knife a number of women have seen. His name nobody knows, but are all united in the belief that he is a Jew or of Jewish parentage, his face being of marked Hebrew type. But the most singular characteristic of the man, and one which tends to identify him closely with last Friday night's work, is the universal statement that in moving about, he never makes any noise. What he wears on his feet, the women do not know, but they all agree that he moves noiselessly. His uncanny peculiarity to them is that they never see him or know his presence until he is close by them. When two of the Philpot Street women directed the star reporter to Commercial Street opposite the Princess Alice Tavern as the most likely place to find him, she added that that it would be necessary to look into all the shadows, as if he would surely be out of sight. This locality, it may be remarked, is but a few steps from the model dwelling house in George's yard, where the murdered woman of four weeks ago was found. Is that a, lot, a little bit of anti-immigrant uh, Jewish hate there in that story? Yeah, we're going to get into more of that throughout <laughs> this story a little bit. I was merely reading a quote, just saying. Anti-Semitic Mike, a new character on <laughs> Necronomapods. <laughs> new shirts coming to Amazon. <laughs> they made him out to be a, a super villain. Like with the character, big nose drawings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Of know. course they did. I also like how back way back in the 1800s, the media was still pissing off the police by like leaking shit yeah. out to the media about <laughs> serial killers. <laughs> Following along with the canonical five, uh, Annie Chapman is thought to have been born sometime in 1841 and lived almost what you could call a drifter lifestyle. She was 47 years old at the time of her death, and for about four months prior, she had been living at Crossingham's Lodging House at 35 Dorset Street, where she paid eight pence a night for a double bed. All these women are roughly around the same age so far. Yeah, that's a good point. 
very, very young. I mean, 47 is very, very young and early in life. I agree. <laughs> 47 is like the new 45. <laughs> yes, it, yes, it is. Yeah. Very young indeed. Not old at all. In 20 years, I'll be there. I'll let you know. <laughs> From accounts, she got along with everyone at the lodging house. And the only thing negative said about her was that she liked to drink too much. Which I think it's the that, only negative thing they could say about us, guys. <laughs> well, not that guy from the reviews last week. <laughs> had a lot of negativity to say about us. But they were positives on his end. Annie made her money from crochet work and making and selling artificial flowers. When this didn't make enough money, like many other women, Annie worked as a sex worker. She had two regular clients, one known as Harry the Hawker who said he was a retired soldier and was known to lodgers as the pensioner. There's a wrestler for you. The pensioner. The, the pensioner. <laughs> Harry the Hawker. Coming to take your pension away. <laughs> Look here, see, I'm a pensioner and you're going to take my pension. You're going to blow me. <laughs> Harry the Hawker also tag team, I think. <laughs> Look here, me and my pal Harry the Hawker, we're going to spit roast you, see, and you're going to take it. Brits with attitude. That was our team name. Three-time world tag champs. <laughs> I'm going to see how much wrestling talk I can bring up and <laughs> yeah. piss everybody off. Turns out Ted Stanley wasn't a retired soldier or a pensioner. He was a bricklayer. Mo moonlighting is a pipe layer. <laughs> I get, 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 get my drift. <laughs> According to the keeper of the lodging house uh, that Annie stayed at, Ted Stanley would frequently spend Saturdays through Mondays with Annie. He also claimed that Ted Stanley told him to turn Annie away if she ever showed up at the lodging house with other men. When the investigation came around, Ted Stanley denied this and claimed to have only visited Annie once or twice. Once or twice a day, copper. <laughs> <laughs> I think of that scene out of Goodfellas when Karen sees the uh, the name of Henry's girlfriend on like the <laughs> sign-in sheet, just like multiple times over and over, and calls him the fuck out. Once she goes to her apartment, she's hitting all the doors. What's her? Oh, what's her name? She's a whore. I want everyone in this building to know she's a whore. <laughs> oh, fuck. What is her name? I can't remember. Her sex worker, as we say on the show. Apologies. Well, you're just quoting the movie. Come on. Quote the movie now. You can censor. I can't us. remember her name. You can't censor Martin Scorsese. I'll well, draw the line right fair. there. <laughs> uh, Rossi. Janice Rossi. Janice Rossi. Boom. <laughs> I just came a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> I was so excited to remember that. It's your favorite movie. I was hoping it would come to you. Pretty shameful if it couldn't. <laughs> You're talking about the most, like a specific line in the movie, remembering some girl who is on camera for 12 seconds. At some point in the month before her death, there had been a fight between Annie and another lodger named Elisa Cooper. According to Elisa Cooper in her testimony, she had loaned Annie a bar of soap, which Annie had given to Ted Stanley, who then used it to, to wash with. Over the next few days, Elisa asked several times for Annie to give her the soap back, with Annie supposedly throwing a penny or whatever the, the, the smallest coin or currency they had at the time there, and saying, quote, go get a half penny of soap. I believe a penny would buy you two half pennies of soap. If <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, women in math, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that I'm dumb at math. <laughs> it's interesting that, that you would have to loan somebody a bar of soap. 
back then. I, I, I can't even imagine how. Oh, we're, not, we're not talking about the best dwellings, yeah. right? Hot commodity back then, just a yeah. bar of soap. I was actually reading a lot about this, and it said that uh, like poor people in the eighteen whatever eighteen hundred eighteen fifty eighteen eighty that that era we're talking about the Victorian era, poor people would bathe once a year. So once a bath once a year. I'd be pretty pissed if she was just letting people use my soap too. And I guess <laughs> for the people that only bathe, it's their one time a year, and now they're using yours. It's my soap. bath day, bitch. Where's my soap? <laughs> Getting all nasty ass, and then it's your day, and it's used or gone. Can you imagine bathing once? Uh, they probably just like wash off a little bit, like your yeah underarms. You and get your used soap back, and it's got like a hair on it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know where, why, or how. It's just there. Oh, it'd be so disgusting to be alive. I guess you'd be used to it. You wouldn't know. Yeah, you wouldn't know anybody. Yeah, Ugh. just the filth. Yeah, in London. Like, I believe that, I mean, there was no plumbing or sewer system yet. The Thames was the sewer. Yeah, all that we, untreated sewage and just went into the river. Didn't, yeah, didn't you bring that up last week about yeah. cholera? Yeah. With, yeah. with the sewer being so close to the water supply. And, yeah. But just, oh, had to be just atrocious. Whoa. Yeah, pretty gross. Mm. There's so, like some event that happened, the, like the great smell. Oh, yeah? Where it got so bad, like so really stinky because of the thames and all the untreated sewage in london i can't remember specifics but i just remember when i was reading about it, it was like <laughs> the great smell or the great the great something. smell of 1858 it was something like that yeah <laughs> you google it you can find out these two women ran into each other at a pub a few days later on the corner of dorset street and how it's told is annie just rolled up and slapped elisa across the face and screamed quote Think of yourself lucky. I don't do more. And then Elisa punched Annie in the eye and then in the chest. On Monday, September 3rd, Annie met her friend Amelia Palmer on Dorset Street. And the two discussed the fight that Annie had gotten into because from bruising, it was clear that Annie had gotten into a fight. From how it's told, Annie got her ass kicked after she slapped Elisa in the face. Well, that'll happen. Yeah. Sometimes. Give her soap away, then insult her. Yeah, you get your ass whooped. Where I come from, that's an ass whooping. Amelia ran into Annie again the next day, and Annie told her that she was sick, and if she didn't start feeling better, she might try to be admitted to the hospital. When Amelia asked Annie if she had anything to eat that day, Annie replied, quote, No, I haven't had a cup of tea today. Amelia gave her two pence to buy some food and told her that she better not spend it on rum. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. She spent it on <laughs> Three days later, Amelia saw Annie again on Dorset Street, and she looked even worse, complaining of feeling, quote, too ill to do anything. She was still standing in the same place when Amelia walked by her 10 minutes later, and Annie said, quote, it's no use giving way. I must pull myself together and get some money, or I shall have no lodgings. Around 6 a.m. on September 8, 1888, John Davis, an elderly man living at 29 Hanbury Street, came downstairs and walked out the back door that led to a narrow passageway. And this was kind of confusing for me at first when I was reading this because I'm like, is this an alley or, or like, what is this? Mm -hmm. I guess it's just it was like this, this just really tight area. But there was a fence on the other side that led to like more of a property. Okay. But in the back door of this guy's house just led to like this little kind of walkway area with a fence on one side. Got it. 
I'm visually, or I'm updating my visual imagery of the scenario. <laughs> as soon as he stepped out, he saw Annie's body lying on the ground. He ran and found two random men and asked them to follow him back to the alley. And in the police report for this, too, it's like these two guys were pretty, they were like kind of sketched out about the situation. They're like, all right, this guy just wants us to come follow him back. Yeah, like, sure, right. It'd be a little odd. <laughs> yeah. Forget about to get fucking robbed. Um, but they followed him back and saw Annie's mutilated body lying on the ground between the steps and the wooden fence. Her head was turned towards the house and her clothes had been pulled up above her waist. A handkerchief was still tied around her throat, which she was wearing at the time she was murdered. It was said that the handkerchief was tied on to keep her head, like was tied around her neck to keep her head on. Oh. But I guess that's like folklore that just went through time. Okay. It's not real. It's not real, Mike. Got it. I'll, okay. take, it off. I'll take it off Wikipedia right now. Her face and hands were covered in blood and her hands were raised and bent with the palms towards the upper portion of her body, giving the impression that she had been trying to fight off whoever attacked her. The men immediately started looking for a police officer and Henry Holland, who was one of the men, found a police officer. And when he told him, when he told the police officer what he had found, he was kind of thrown off that the officer told him it was against procedure for him to leave his post. So he wasn't doing anything. <laughs> Sorry, pal. Can't help you. I'm posted up here watching for crime. <laughs> the other man, John Davis, then decided to go straight to the police station. Police then ordered that the area be cleared off from everyone that was standing around looking and then sent an officer back to the police station to get Dr. George Phillips, who was the police surgeon. Dr. Phillips arrived at around 6.30 a.m., and this was his testimony at the inquest. The left arm was placed across the left breast. The legs were drawn up, the feet resting on the ground, and the knees turned outwards. The face was swollen and turned on the right side. The, trunk, the tongue protruded between the front teeth, but not beyond the lips. The tongue was evidently much swollen. The front teeth were perfect as far as the first molar, top and bottom, and very fine teeth they were. The body was terribly mutilated. The stiffness of the limbs was not marked, but was evidently commencing. He noticed that the throat was dissevered deeply, that the incisions through the skin were jagged and reached right around the neck. On the wooden paling between the yard in question and the next, smears of blood corresponding to where the head of the deceased lay were to be seen. These were about 14 inches from the ground and immediately above where the blood from the neck lay. Let me just say this is already not believable. Someone in 19th century England with perfect teeth. <laughs> Surely you just. I love how they make, they make note and very fine teeth they were. Yeah. That's your first clue. There it is. Jack the Ripper is a hoax. <laughs> Dave solved it. Very fine teeth. <laughs> a little before 7 a.m., her body was taken to the mortuary where it was found that her abdomen had been cut entirely open with a section of flesh from her stomach being placed on her left shoulder and another section of skin and flesh plus her small intestines being removed and placed above her right shoulder. Annie's autopsy also showed that her uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina had been removed. Oh, there's butchered. Butchered, I tell you. <laughs> worth noting during this investigation police arrested a guy named john pizer thinking that he was the leather apron 
but John Pizer had a solid alibi for all their questions and he was released. So that was really as far as they had gotten as far as investigating is gone. No other leads. One suspect mm-hmm. and done. Yep. Mm. On September 27th, 1988, a letter was received by the Central News Agency in the city of London. At first, the staff weren't too concerned about the letter and waited two days before giving it to the police. This letter was addressed to, quote, the Boss Central News Office, London City, and it read, Dear Boss, I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. That joke about leather apron gave me real fits. I am down on horrors and shan't quit ripping them till I get buckled. Grand work the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I hope. Ha ha. The next job I do shall clip the lady's ears off and send to the police officers just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back till I do a bit more, then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp, I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind me giving the trade name. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha. <laughs> Yikes. This is something I honestly didn't know about this story because I didn't, I didn't know a lot going into this. I didn't know he wrote multiple letters. So this really interested me doing the outline. I'm like, I didn't oh. either. This is where he got the name then, this first letter. Yeah, this is it. Giving yourself a nickname. That's lame. <laughs> Son of Sam. Yeah. Can't give yourself a nickname. All these guys give themselves a nickname. Zodiac. Yeah. Should be bequeathed to you. You're right. It should be based on some, uh, you know, keg stand or roof diving incident that happened when people (laughs) knew you. Right? (laughs) In all fairness, I think I'd I'd rather be Jack the Ripper than uh, old leather apron. That's not a great one. All right. So Jack's born. I guess that's not the worst thing he ever did. No. So in that letter, you already have that talk of a doctor which that's a big theory at the end. The next victim was named Elizabeth Stride. There isn't no, there isn't much known about Elizabeth's life at all. Other than that, her friends called her long Liz. She spent her last afternoon alive on September 30th, 1888, cleaning rooms in the lodging house at 32 flower and Dean street, where she had lived on and off for the previous six years. The keeper Uh, A woman named Elizabeth Tanner paid her six pence for her work. And by 6.30 p.m., Elizabeth went to Queen's Head Pub at the corner of Fashion and Commercial Streets. So is that like a day's pay, six pence? And you figure a night's lodging is four pence. Yeah. At least you what, two pence for... For rum. (laughs) As uh, Eating and or rum for the day. Probably rum. (laughs) Or a bar of soap. Yeah. For half pence or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Long Liz was probably one of your relatives, Mike, since they call you like Long Dong Mike. Long Liz, probably your great, 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 great aunt. I think there is relation. I'm, I'm not. What's the uh, the site that I, Ancestry.com or you and me one two three. Twenty three and me. Is there a cheat code for like Ancestry.com or like one eight hundred collect that shit and just get all my information <laughs> without actually like paying them? I don't have to try to cheat code that. Yeah, I'm American. 
There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it just comes up. That's it. Just my whole history comes up. I'm a mutt. You might get your, you know, some thir- not third cousin of yours arrested on serial killer charges. <laughs> so watch out. I do not believe I am of uh, British descent. Okay. I am. Any. I am. Also, no Irish in me as well, I don't believe. Which is weird. Mine's like almost half British, Irish. Wow. 40%, something like that. And then half American, President Grant. <laughs> whoop, whoop. It's true. <laughs> All American up in here. <laughs> By 7 p.m., she had returned to the lodging house and was, according to another resident, Charles Preston, dressed, quote, ready to go out. Elizabeth talked briefly with another lodger, Catherine Lane, and then left the lodging house at around 7.30 p.m. But she didn't have a bath. She wasn't that ready to go out. Everyone smelled. Like everyone had to just smell so bad. But if everyone smells, then do you notice? This. But then do you notice oh, that? Oh, God. That's your main takeaway from this series? Yeah, like it's so imagine, disgusting. Imagine eating ass back in the day. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, like just, can, can you imagine? No. Oh, my. <laughs> Start gagging. I'm gagging right now. I'm gonna put my hand over my mouth. Open up those cheeks. Oh. Literally like a mist or like a st- like stop. you can see a smoke. Stop! Stop! Stop. stop talking. Any any swooping. Yeah. Did they have Did they have toilet paper back then? I mean, I'm sure they used something. Yeah. <sighs> But those, or did they? I don't know. Maybe they did. They bathed once a year. Maybe not. But like, how many guys that were the sex workers with every night? Like, if you're the last guy of the night, like, oh yeah, you're getting syphilis mm. for sure. Wasn't syphilis what was spreading around? Oh yeah, at the time. I'm literally about to throw up thinking about all this. Dave has zero tolerance for improper hygiene. We're learning this as we go. Oh. Can't wait till we start traveling the country doing live shows and I'm just not going to bathe for a week and see if Dave can put up. I have a really weak stomach. I can't even think about this stuff. So I'm going to gag. I have a weak stomach for some stuff. You know, any nipple play, I'm, I'm unconscious. But when it comes to, you know, eating a crusty asshole, that's, I mean, I'm not going to do it, but I'm not going to pass out about it. The next sighting of Elizabeth was at 11 p.m. when she was taking shelter from the rain in the doorway of the Bricklayer's Arms on Settle Street. At this time, she was seen by two men. They said she was with a man who was about 5'5". He had a black mustache, sandy eyelashes, and was wearing a black morning suit with a billycock hat. Not sure. Did you look up a billycock hat? I did. It's like a bowler hat, but just for whatever reason, called billycock. It's okay. a bowler hat. Like one of those just uh, like round little bill, not very tall. Oh, okay. I know what you mean. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't, I've never heard that as a bowler hat. And also didn't the last victim like to uh, take shelter in the bricklayer's arms? It's quite a coincidence here in the names. (laughs) She did. (laughs) The pensioner, (laughs) AKA. (laughs) In the police report, one of the men said, quote, They did not appear willing to go out. He was hugging and kissing her, and as he seemed a respectably dressed man, we were rather astonished at the way he was going on with the woman. I don't judge you much. (laughs) (laughs) One of the men, joking around, yelled out, quote, Watch out, that's a leather apron getting around you, uh, which made Elizabeth and the man run away. 
through the rain. They just took off. Mm. She should have ran the other way. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. The man was probably like, oh, fuck. And then like, she grabbed his hand and ran. He's like, oh, all right. <laughs> Shouldn't be mocking that. No. You're victim blaming, Mike. Stop. Yeah. What if you looked up a Billy cock hat and it was a hat and it was like a picture of a guy and it was like an arrow pointing to him and it said Billy and then an arrow to his cock and it said Billy's cock. So it was a Billy cock hat. Coming soon to Amazon. <laughs> I wonder if this guy felt bad after he made this joke yelling out about how it's the leather apron. Yeah, right. It's like, God damn, it really was leather apron. <laughs> Around 11.45 p.m., William Marshall was standing outside his lodging house when he noticed a man and a woman. They both seemed sober, and as he was watching them, they started to kiss. Marshall heard the man say to the woman, quote, you would say anything but your prayers. It's ominous. I don't know what that means. Marshall described the man as being middle-aged, around 5'6", around five, clean-shaven, and nicely dressed. He wore a black cutaway coat dark pants and a round hat with a small sailor like peak. So probably that Billy cock Mm -hmm. hat again. So much hat history in this episode. A lot of hat wearing. Love it. He's middle aged. So that's about 20, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with, with the syphilis and the lack of bathing and the crusty asshole eating, (laughs) he's, he's, he's past middle age. (laughs) At 12.30 a.m., police officer William Smith walked along Burner Street on his patrol and noticed a man and a woman on the opposite side of the road where Elizabeth's body was later discovered. The man was approximately 28 years old with a dark complexion and a small dark mustache. He was about 5'7", had on a dark overcoat, a dark deerstalker's hat, and dark clothing. Hey, he grew like an inch and changed his hat. It's <laughs> pretty clever. <laughs> the woman who Smith later identified as Elizabeth Stride had a flower pinned to her jacket. Officer Smith didn't notice anything wrong with what they were doing, so he just kept patrolling. The most important witness to have seen Elizabeth Stride in this 30 minutes before she was discovered in Dutfield's yard was a Hungarian Jewish man named Israel Schwartz. I don't like where this is going one bit. Where's it going? I think more anti-Semitism is mm. coming up. Maybe anti-Semitic Mike will be <laughs> joining us again. <laughs> He's banned from studio. I will not be reading. Threw any, him out of here. I will not be reading any more quotes with anti-Semitism in them. Walking down the street at twelve forty-five a.m., he noticed a man ahead of him. The man stopped to talk to a woman who was standing in the gateway of Dutfield's yard, and Schwartz was absolutely certain that the woman he had seen was Elizabeth Stride. Since it's likely that Israel Schwartz witnessed the early stages of Elizabeth's murder and possibly the only person ever to see one of Jack the Ripter's victims in the act of being murdered, his statement is considered one of the most important. It's worth noting that he spoke no English and gave all his evidence and things like that through an interpreter. And people point to this as possibly why his statements to police and then interviews that he later gave differ in certain details yeah that could be the interpreter's like giving a whole different story (laughs) (laughs) i love those stories where the sign language interpreter like just does nonsense on stage did you see that not too long ago no like whatever the hired for some important person or organization and 
whatever they were they interpreting just had n- nothing to do with what the person was saying. It was just nonsense. I love that. It's really just to, funny. To humor themselves. And I, I don't know what they were up. doing. And no one knew. Remember the uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm interpreter for the wedding? And they, they had her for the uh, the play yes. for, uh, for uh, Fatwa. For the, 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 musical. the musical? Yeah. She could just get the huge tits. <laughs> Larry's looking around. All the producers are, are watching her. He's like freaking out. <laughs> then, uh, uh, which one call it? Kicks her out of the wedding. Go. Yeah. You're out of here. <laughs> Ian's like, okay, then. <laughs> I, just, I need to watch. Ian does not like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like, never speaking saw. of overrated shows. <laughs> I've never seen it. I need to watch. I've now never seen an episode. The funniest show probably in the history of television. It's, it's in, in the top three. It's for in sure. my it's in my top list. According to Schwartz, this man was about five five, around thirty years old, with dark hair, had a fair complexion and a small brown mustache. He had a full face, broad shoulders, and appeared to be slightly intoxicated. <laughs> That's me every day. <laughs> full face, broad shoulders, and slightly intoxicated. Morning. Can can confirm. <laughs> As Schwartz watched, the man tried to pull the woman into the street, but then spun her around and threw her onto the ground, where the woman screamed three times, but not very loudly. Schwartz thought that he was witnessing a domestic violence type incident, so he crossed the road trying not to get involved. That's a tough call on those domestic violence. Uh, I mean, you're out, guy's roughing up his girlfriend, and you confront him, you get in a fight with the... Boyfriend, all of a sudden, the girlfriend he was beating is hitting you in the head with a bottle because you're beating up her boyfriend. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Sounds like you have some tales to tell. No, I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to hear this. I'm Coming just saying, soon to Patreon. It's, it's not always great intervening no, in a I domestic agree. situation well, out fucking, at night. You get involved and the guy pulls out a gun or something well, and that, then you're dead well, for trying to be a good Samaritan. That too. Or you whoop her boyfriend's ass and then she's, you know, jumping on you. Leave my boyfriend alone. Or that also. You know. <laughs> Just <laughs> but stay <then>. home. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So I can sit in your basement. There's nothing good basement going on out a, there. And just agree to do a podcast with two friends because you just want to get together and drink beer and maybe watch wrestling with them. And the next thing you know, it's like a job. <laughs> As he crossed the street, he saw a second man standing lighting his pipe. As Schwartz passed him, the man who was attacking the woman called out apparently to the second man the word quote Lipsky at which point the second man began to follow him Schwartz panicked and began to run and managed to lose the man by the time he reached the nearby railway arch so the Ripper was potentially a tag team operation or is this one of the killings that was not maybe him maybe not Mm. this is one that's debated yeah so that lends credence to maybe not being the Ripper. Yeah. Jack. We'll hear more about Jack's that. Jack's the Rippers. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I just blew everybody's mind. I think it would be Jack's the Ripper. Like attorneys general, not attorney generals. Yeah. I don't know. I like Jack's the Rippers. <laughs> or Jack the Ripper, like square. Oh, that's not bad. <laughs> But the square, like the two, is written in blood for like the movie I'm going to write. Dripping. The screenplay, yeah. That's pretty good. I'm writing. But I'm going to fool everyone. Like Jack the Ripper Square is actually going to be about a professional wrestling tag team. (laughs) (laughs) 19th century, you know, Britain. Did they have pro wrestling back then? Probably. Mm -hmm. Boy, but that was crazy, huh? 
back then it was like more, I think, I believe like just circus and carnival type yeah. shit. Yeah. The guys pushing each other around. Right? Tough guys. Yeah. But like real strong, tough strong men. men. Yeah, like strong men and stuff. Like, 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 I mean, they had that in the States too, but mm-hmm. yeah. You know, like just two guys in their underwear that like are grappling with each other. Nothing like, I would ever want to watch, but like <laughs> those guys could kill us nowadays in 12 seconds. Like the hairy peasant versus the obese bean farmers. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Right. Literally just local strong men they'd bring in. Yeah, of course. There would there would not be any Jack the Ripper gimmicks back at this time. Right. And if there was, they would have flew over Bruno San Martino when he would have taken care of them. <laughs> Might be about 100 years early, but still. According to Shorts, the second man was about 35 years old, around 5'11", had a fresh complexion, light brown hair, a brown mustache, and wore a dark overcoat with an old black hard felt hat. What's a fresh complexion? I don't know. I was wondering that too. I don't know what that means. Clean, I thought that meant like shaven? clean shaven, like no scruff. I That's how I took it. He didn't look all fucking sickly and stuff from not like eating. Like he looks so fresh and so clean, clean. Maybe. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. I'm dropping, I'm dropping lines over here. That's what popped in my head. I don't know. It's a fresh complexion. I, I don't know. Fresh and so clean, clean. We'll go with that. as if that might be one of those words that's definition has changed over time. Sure. Maybe... He didn't have a crusty asshole. <laughs> oh, like did not, not dirt and crust on his face. Like he was washed within the last six months. <laughs> Unlikely. When he smiled, the crevices in his face didn't show dirt. Something like that. Gross. Maybe his teeth were obviously still yellow and huge and disgusting, but they didn't have like, you know, broccoli growing out of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How many different countries and states can we isolate throughout the course of our show? We've already proven Australia doesn't exist. Look, Appalachia in this country is no better, so, in the 1880s. It's no better today, Pally. I didn't say that. You did. (laughs) They're not going to hear this in Appalachia. They don't have cell phones and Wi-Fi. And I don't go in the wilderness, so you ain't going to get me. At 1 a.m., Louis Deemschutz the steward of the International Working Men's Educational Club returned to Dutfield's yard and saw a dark form lying on the ground close to the wall of the club. He got out of his small carriage that was pulled by a pony and he saw that it was a woman lying on the ground. Thinking it might be his wife, he went into the club by the side entrance and found his wife was safe. And he told members, quote, there's a woman lying in the yard, but I cannot say whether she's dead or drunk. If he thought it was his wife, wouldn't he like touch her, like roll her over and look? See if it's her, maybe. Yeah, instead of running, we run in the house to confirm. Yeah, that's really odd. Also, I well, I would assume maybe by then he realized it wasn't his wife, but then he was like, "Well, fuck, this is somebody dead or drunk, yeah. or maybe not." Eyewitness accounts vary. Who, yeah, knows? who knows? I like to see a little pony <laughs> carrying a little carriage. Though it's really cute. <laughs> Aww. My little pony <laughs> carries me through London town. <laughs> Is that a song? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> Ian, it must be before we were born. It was like from the My Little Pony show or something of the early 80s. We should do a show on bronies sometime. That'd be a fun show. That's that'd be, the guys be something. off to My Little Pony. Yeah. So Lewis grabbed a candle and went back to the yard with several other club members. With better lighting, the first thing that he noticed was Elizabeth's throat had been brutally slashed. 
Lewis and another club member ran shouting murder and police. And that, I guess that was something that was what you, that's what you should do. If you saw a murder happening, yell murder, just yell. If you saw something bad going down, just yeah. start yelling murder at the top of your lungs. Cause they had those bobbies walking around town, just patrolling. Yeah. yeah but they can't leave their posts. Clearly. Yeah. That one guy didn't want to leave. <laughs> can't be bothered. It's like, piss off Wanka. I'm what do you want post. from me? I'm trying to stop crime over here. <laughs> leave me alone. I just imagine you would hear the word murder being screamed out frequently throughout murder. the night. <laughs> yeah, because this is not obviously good neighborhoods. Anytime there's a crime being committed, someone's just going to start yelling murder then. Yeah. Then it's the boy that cried wolf. The coppers won't come for murder. So eventually they found police officer Edward Spooner. And once they told him, Spooner returned with them to Dutfield's yard, where about 15 people were gathered around looking. Spooner bent down, lifted the woman's chin, and found it was slightly warm. As Spooner tilted Elizabeth's head back, Lewis saw just how bad the wound on her throat was. He said, quote, I could see that her throat was fearfully cut. There was a great gash in it over two inches wide. A two st- inches wide is wide. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. Oh, God. Two inches is huge. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> that's what you used to tell the freshman anyway, right? <laughs> well, I believe. <laughs> if only, man. A stream of blood ran from Elizabeth's throat and up the yard towards the door of the club. There was also a doubled up piece of paper in her right hand, which ended up being breath fresheners. There you go, Dave. Hmm. Being hygienic. She's probably about to give an altoid blowjob. That's what I'm guessing. <laughs> Was that a thing in the Victorian England? I would love to know what they consider breath fresheners, because literally anything is probably better than what's going on. They're like a can of sardines. Oh, you got like a can of Tic Tacs or Altoids. Oh, mothball? Yummy. Pop, pop it in your mouth. Tastes better than the ass I just ate 20 minutes ago. Mm-mm. Less flakes, too. Oh, my God. It's like a this thing that she has, like a piece of paper with. Like, I don't know if it's some kind of like essential oils or something mm. that would smell good on it. it. You just breathe. Oh, my God. What a horrible time to be alive. Well, and be poor. But that's always being poor is a horrible time to be alive. Very true. A medical examiner arrived at the yard at 1.16 a.m., having pronounced Elizabeth dead, gave his opinion that she had been dead for about 20 to 30 minutes. He noted that she was wearing a silk scarf, the bow of which was turned to the left and pulled tightly. At the inquest, he stated that he had formed the opinion that the killer had first taken hold of the back of the silk scarf and pulled her backwards onto the ground. He, however, couldn't be certain whether the woman's throat was cut while she was standing or after she had been pulled down. Inspector Edmund Reed was alerted by telegram at 1.25 a.m., and when he arrived, Elizabeth's throat was being examined. All the people in the yard were then interrogated and their names and addresses were taken. Once they gave a satisfactory account of of their movements that night and their hands and pockets had been searched, they were allowed to leave. At 4.30 a.m., Elizabeth's body was taken to St. George's Mortuary. And like you brought up, Mike, this is one that people debate if she really was a Jack the Ripper victim or not because there was no mutilation involved. Her throat was just slit. It's not his M.O.? Isn't it easily possible that someone may have been coming and interrupted him, though? I think so. That's a likely reason for that. Yeah. 
I think with any of those, like it was a populated like area. Happened. Yeah. He just had to, you know, get out or, you know, I think there's even one we're going to get to here in a bit where it could have been him. Uh, but, you know, things happen. You get nervous mm-hmm. or startled and you just take off. And the thing about the two people, the, the police considered that Israel Schwartz got to be a very credible eyewitness. And he had, you know, had the guy following him, mm-hmm. the second man following him. So that would lead you to think this might not be a Jack the Ripper Right. Yeah. We'll be right back. Uh, The next murder on the Canonical Five is Catherine Eddowes. It's pretty crazy. Catherine's murder also happened on September 30th, 1888. At more or less the exact moment that the body of Elizabeth Stride was being discovered in Dutfield's yard, Catherine Eddowes was being released from a police station in the city of London. At around 8.30 the previous evening, Catherine had been entertaining people outside 29 Aldgate High Street with a drunken imitation of a fire engine. <laughs> what does that sound like? <laughs> what did a fire engine in 1888 sound like? <laughs> I don't know. It was like a guy yelling off the back of the truck. Hey, okay. move the fuck out of the way! <laughs> I don't know. All right, fair enough. Uh, she took a bow and then laid down in the middle of the street and went to sleep. Also, what the fuck's a fire <laughs> engine? A big like cabin being pulled by like eight horses? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. When police came by, they asked if anyone knew who she was. No one did, so she was taken into police. So she was taken to the police station. Better than sleeping on the street. Yeah, it doesn't seem uh, like a very good life decision. No. White Chapel. Trampled by ponies and horses and oh god. Laying down in the shit that's you know, running down the street that someone threw out their back window. <laughs> the shit everywhere. <laughs> At one thirty five AM, three Jewish men, Harry Harris, Joseph Hyam Levy, and Joseph Luen left the Imperial Club on Duke Street. And noticed a man and a woman talking quietly together. The woman had her back to them, but they could see that her hand was on the man's chest. Levy was immediately convinced that the couple was up to no good and out loud said, quote, I don't like going home by myself when I see these sorts of characters about. Because it makes his pee pee hard and he has to go (laughs) home and take care of himself. (laughs) Mind your business, pal. (laughs) They were just quietly talking. Yeah. What are you worried about? (laughs) he didn't pay that much attention to them although he did say that the man may have been three or so inches taller than the woman i see a man and woman talking together i gotta go home and play with my (laughs) pee-pee knock it off joseph luen paid a little more attention but he did not see the woman's face but he was almost certain that her clothing was the same clothing that was worn by Catherine Eddowes when he was later shown it at the police station. The street lighting wasn't good, but he caught a brief glimpse of the man's face and was able to provide police with a description. He had the appearance of a sailor and was about 30 years old. He was 5'9 and had a medium build. He had a fair complexion, a small mustache, and he wore a reddish neckerchief tied in a knot and a gray-colored loose-fitting jacket and had on a gray peaked cloth cap. For for a brief (laughs) glimpse, Jesus Christ, that's a hell of a description, (laughs) Pally, for a uh, dimly lit area where you got a brief glimpse. (laughs) That's a great point. Yeah. 
That's the most detailed description we've had you know, thus far. In any story we've ever told in the history of Necronomicon. Oh, I got a brief glimpse. It was dim lighting, but here's what he was wearing from head to toe. I think I saw two beads of sweat above his left brow and a uh, drop of drool rolling down his left chin. Fair complexion, small mustache. He wore a reddish neckerchief tied in a knot. Great colored, loose fitting jacket. Had on a gray peaked cloth cap. But I only, I barely saw him. <laughs> You should start wearing a reddish neckerchief, Mike. Look pretty cool on I'll you. I'll do that. No problem. I'll just sit here and fucking sweat for my neck all night long. <laughs> With that exact outfit. That's yeah. right. Yeah. My Miller Lite t-shirt. Like you wore that tie around your neck for your YouTube video. Well, you gotta look professional. <laughs> Since Catherine's body was discovered just 15 minutes later in Mitre Square, a few steps away from where Luen saw the couple, there's a high probability that the man that he saw was Jack the Ripper. At 1.44 a.m., a police officer patrolling made his way into Mitre Square and immediately saw Catherine Eddowes laying on her back in a pool of blood with her clothes pulled up over her waist. Police called for a medical examiner, and at 1.55 a.m., Dr. George William Sequeria arrived at the scene. Dr. Sequeria told the inquest that her death would have been immediate once the murderer had cut her windpipe. He was of the opinion that the murderer possessed no great anatomical skill, that he only had a basic knowledge of anatomy, which is interesting because a lot of people today think that Jack the Ripper could have been a doctor. Like there's a lot of people who fully believe that theory. Could this have also been though, like what Dave touched on earlier, and this is what I was alluding to, like maybe he got scared off, like something started happening. So he was like quick or sloppy with his work and took off. Like, I, I don't know if that necessarily, you know, cancels this out as being mm-hmm. a Jack the Ripper I think what murder. he's saying, what this guy's saying is that all the injuries that happened, like all this mutilation we're going to get into, wasn't th- that the person didn't have to be skilled to pull it off, like the removing of the uterus yeah. and things like that. Well, isn't it also true that a lot of doctors in the 1880s weren't all that fucking skilled? Like <laughs> all of the ones that killed President Garfield that Mike so eloquently uh, told us about. This is true. Also true. I mean, you know. Where was the bar? Yeah. The the the, the name is still doctor, but it, it has a very different meaning than today, right? Like they weren't, you know, they didn't know everything. Yeah. They were bleeding people and doing yeah. all kinds of shit. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. you know. I did, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair argument when they're putting the investigation together. I just don't know if that necessarily cancels it out that it's him. Yeah. In my opinion, Catherine's throat was severed and her abdomen was ripped open by a long, deep and jagged wound before her intestines had been placed over her right shoulder. The left kidney and the major part of the uterus had been removed and her face had been disfigured with her nose severed, her cheeks slashed and cuts measuring a quarter of an inch and a half of an inch vertically cut through each of her eyelids. Things with eyes fuck me up. I can't do eye shit. A triangular incision, which pointed towards Catherine's eye, had also been carved on both of her cheeks, and a part of her right ear was later recovered from her clothing. Remember, in that previous letter, talked about cutting off an ear. Yeah. And so from here, this is where they start their investigation. And this is probably the biggest, I guess, physical clue of Jack the Ripper, whether it's coincidence or not. A piece of Catherine's bloodied apron was found at the entrance to a lodging house on Golston Street, Whitechapel, at 2.55 a.m. 
A chalk inscription on the wall directly above the piece of the apron read, quote, The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. Is that right? Anti-Semitic yeah. Mike. Is that what you had to say? Hey, anti-Semitic Mike, get the fuck out of here now. <laughs> the message seemed to imply that Jewish people in general were responsible for the murders, but it's unclear whether the message was written by the murderer you know, and dropped the piece of apron while doing that, or it was a coincidence and had nothing to do with the case. Mm. But like I said, that you, there it could have been a full bonus episode or something about the the anti-Semitism going on with the Jack the Ripper stuff because the police wanted to do like a little more investigating with this message, how it was written. But uh, Inspector Edmund Reed was like, absolutely not wash it off now Mm. because he was afraid that there would be some like potential riots or fighting that could get to riot level between people, the Mm. Jewish community and the rest of the Whitechapel area. Look, the anti-Semitism goes back thousands of years. I mean, that's a whole... 10-part series in and of itself. Not coming soon to Necronopod. Not going to (laughs) happen. That. Early on the morning of October 1st, 1888, police made the Dear Boss letter public. And then later in the morning, a postcard was written in a similar handwriting to the Dear Boss letter, which arrived at the Central News Agency. This, too, was written in red ink, but this one appeared to have bloodstains on it. The writer had not put a date on the postcard, but it did have a postmark, London E, and in this part, it was dated October 1st. The postcard read, quote, I'm not codding, dear old boss, when I give you the tip. You'll hear about Saucy Jackie's work tomorrow, double event this time, number one, squealed a bit, couldn't finish straight off, had not the time to get ears for police. Thanks for keeping last letter back till I got to work again. Jack the Ripper. Saucy Jackie. Saucy Jackie is interesting there. That's quite a name there. Like what? He should have been named Saucy Jackie throughout history. That's way better than Jack the Ripper. It is Saucy better. Jackie. I'm still not a fan of this guy giving himself his own cool nicknames. He's trying. Like he's like, he probably rethought it. Like, I don't really love Jack the Ripper. Let me uh, do Saucy Jackie. Yeah, <laughs> Remember David Berkowitz did that with Son of Sam stuff? He gave himself a million nicknames. He was like, you can call me all this yeah, stuff if you want. That's right. They were all like really good fucking names. That's right. <laughs> David Berkowitz had Mar- or branding down. <laughs> <laughs> this brings us to a guy named George Lusk. Lusk had been constantly in the newspapers in the first two weeks of October because he had set up a civilian vigilance patrol with the police. Like the police endorsed this. This was a a group effort. In addition, he had also addressed several public meetings and had been actively soliciting the home office, urging them to rethink their stance on not offering a reward for more information that would lead to the killer being arrested. At 4.15 p.m. on October 4th, 1888, a man who the newspaper reported as having a, quote, florid appearance turned up on George Lusk's doorstep. The man was about 5'9", was around 30 to 40 years old, and had an unkept brown beard. The man was told that George Lusk was at a nearby tavern, so the man headed to the tavern and found Lusk and started asking him tons of questions about the patrols taken by members of the Mile End Vigilance Committee. The News of the World reported on this saying, quote, 
The stranger's appearance, however, was so repulsive and forbidding that Mr. Lusk declined, but consented to hold a quiet conversation with him in the bar parlor. The two were talking when the stranger drew a pencil from his pocket and purposely dropped it over the side of the table, saying, pick that up. Just as Mr. Lusk turned to do so, he noticed the stranger make a swift, though silent movement of his right hand towards his side pocket, and seeing that he was detected, assumed a nonchalant air and asked to be directed to the nearest coffee and dining rooms. Mr. Lust directed him to a house in the Mile End Road, and the stranger quietly left the house, followed by Mr. Lusk, who went to the coffee house, indicated, and found that the man had not been there, but had given the pursuer the slip by disappearing up a court. So he's trying to pull something from his pocket? Yeah. Yeah. Was he also, so then if we think this is the Ripper, he was changing his appearance to have an unkept beard, or did he send somebody? This goes back to like, were there more people involved? Because that's weird that he's going to change his appearance. Florid means red or flushed complexion. Which would not be, what did they say earlier? What was the term they used? We were debating fresh. 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 And so clean, clean. (laughs) So I don't know. No, that doesn't not. This does not sound. I mean, unless he was just kind of going for like a a gimmick here to throw people off. But just interesting. Two days later, George Lusk received a letter that reportedly was written in similar handwriting to the Dear Boss letter, which said, quote, I write you a letter in black ink as I have no more of the right stuff. I think you are all asleep in Scotland Yard with your bloodhounds, as I will show you tomorrow night, Saturday. I'm going to do a double event, but not in Whitechapel. Got rather too warm there. Had to shift. No more till you hear me again. Jack the Ripper. Not long after that, George Lusk got another postcard that said, quote, Say, boss, you seem r- rare frightened. Guess I'd like to give you fits, but can't stop enough to let you let your box of toys play copper games with me. But hope to see you when I don't hurry much. Bye bye, boss. Yikes. That's scary. Then on October 16th, 1888, a small package wrapped in brown paper with a London postmark was delivered to George Lusk in the evening. It was addressed to him by name and had the name of the street, but did not give his house number. The package contained a foul-smelling piece of kidney together with a letter, the handwriting of which was the same as the postcard Lusk had received a few days before. That letter was the famous From Hell letter, and that is where we will pick back up on part three. Yeah! (laughs) Part three will cover the From Hell letter, the last victim of the canonical five, a few more murders possibly linked to Jack the Ripper, and then some of the more credible suspects. Well, how about that? Well, these letters make it really interesting and creepy. The yeah. letters always creep me out mm-hmm. in all those stories. Because then you know they're they're t- killing people, and then they're just fucking around with you. Yeah. I and love this, because I didn't really know a lot about this story. This is one of the stories you think, oh, yeah, Jack the Ripper, and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, this in-depth stuff on this, I didn't know anything. I didn't know I think about that every story, Dave. I'm like, oh, so and so, blah blah blah. Yeah, we know. Ian will just teach me how to learn it. He didn't know Jeffrey Dahmer was <laughs> yeah. murdered in prison. So, nope. so I, I thought you're going to learn today, Dave. You're going to learn today what a dead Dahmer looked like. <laughs> I learned that day. <laughs> I didn't know about all the other letters. I knew about the From Hell letter with mm-hmm. you know, and there's the movie with Johnny Depp and everything. Mm. Um, but I didn't know about all the other letters and postcards and stuff. It's pretty wild. It's a wild scene going on over there in the White Chapel. And we're going to wrap it all up next week. 
Yeah, we're not going to get into every suspect. There, there's just, that's, that's just not, not possible. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We'll get into more some of the more credible ones. So this week I looked at some of those uh, uh, crime scene slash mortuary pics of these victims. Those are creepy as they fuck. They are so creepy. And the last victim next week is just so brutal. Yeah. Man. Is it inappropriate all the post any of them? Mm, you could post some of them. All right. You can't post the victim next week because it's just be it's it's too much. Yeah. We'll wait till the third week anyways. We'll well maybe we'll see. We'll get some of them posted out there. But yeah, very creepy. I think what I'm finding most interesting about this is the signs of or the behavior he has that is consistent with modern day serial killers. Mm. Some of the okay. some of the things that he does. I assume we'll get more into that next week. Dave, what, you got any final thoughts on part two? Do you have a, a suspect in mind, you think? No, I really don't. So you're going to go on record right now and say that Jack the Ripper is not Santa Bill. I don't believe that's physically possible. I do not have a suspect. It's not Santa Bill, though. Pretty confident. Is it H.H. Holmes? Ooh. Is it Albert Fish? I don't know. Albert Fish. That's interesting. Is that theory out there? I don't know. I'm just making stuff up at this point. Which one was Albert Fish? <laughs> What'd he do? What was his gimmick? I don't think it was Albert Fish. No. <laughs> he just buck, was... buck, hands up, Mike. Um, yeah. yeah. No. Sack of potatoes no. over. These women were way too old for him. Yeah. This is true. See, you guys don't fucking ask me that on trivia. If Albert Fish liked kids or not. I wouldn't have known until you said buck, buck, hands up. <laughs> I wouldn't have remembered that. <laughs> I will never forget Buck Buck Hands Up. That is traumatizing as shit. Just the name. You don't even have to really. Mm-hmm. You just hear that name and you know, oh, that doesn't sound great. No. It sounds super weird. Yeah. All right. Ian, you got any uh, thoughts on part two here or uh, saving it off for the finale? Uh, like I said, then the letters were really interesting. I, I like these episodes. I like these subjects I don't know much about. And I learn as I go along with the story. Yeah. So the letters and the postcards make it really interesting. Yeah. Just because it's there's just that added, I don't know, deceitfulness to it. Like you just you fucking hate them even more. They're arrogant. They're cocky. They're calling their shots like, hey, look out for this. It's going to happen this weekend. That's what I meant. And we'll get into it next week when I said like behavior that's consistent with modern day serial killers, because like the language in some of those those letters is really similar to stuff that, you know, son of Sam would say or some other guys would say could jack the ripper be a more modern day serial killer who time traveled back Mm. ask andrew basiago about that what would he have to say that's right (laughs) do you know who that is we discussed him at some point do you know what he did made good garlic bread he was the time (laughs) traveler that's right (laughs) god damn it Oh, he's the guy that ran ran for office and still runs for office. Yeah, yeah. that's right. over and Did over. Did you say again. garlic bread? Pasiago, oh, he makes a garlic bread. He's a, my cousin Vin. He's a father-in-law. Oh, um, was that a bonus show? Or did we cover that? I can't remember. No, what we it was that a one. full show. Like a month and a half, two months ago. Yeah, I remember him now. He was the guy that he runs for president every four years. Yeah, him and Obama. That's right. We're they were on like the Mars, on Mars, Mars like together. camp together in, on Mars. <laughs> and everyone that was there has always been president except for this guy. Yeah. So come on, motherfucker. It's your turn. <laughs> All right. We got some uh, patron shout outs. Let's dive in. Thank you very much to Cleric of Vecna, PJ Baker, Jack Atlas, 
Mitzi Jedry, DJ D in the CLE, Danielle, Taylor Frean, Jack Delacour, Jackson Hanna, Melissa Allen, Sarah Hamadel, Matthew Klee, Joe Roberts, Haley Loff, Angela Hedworth, Frothy Nipple Splatter, <laughs> Bray Miller, Sean Michaels Bulge. God damn. <laughs> Mike is visib- visibly excited now. <laughs> Andre Horaz, Andrea Dawes, Caitlin Cesario, Jeremy Horton. Oh, hey, Jeremy. Miles, Dusty Mitchell, Lauren Chicolaby, Lauren 821, Raymond Adkins. Mike is Ian's boy toy. <laughs> is that a shout to Shawn Michaels theme song? I think it is. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy. <laughs> isn't it? Uh, isn't it Sherry Martell in the background in that? The original, but not modern day. Yeah. It's all Sean. Come on, Ian. <laughs> I knew that. I was just asking. That. <laughs> Allison Vabar, Sam Squanch, Blue Steel, Ty Panchinson. Charlotte Mayer, Tongue Punch, My Fart Box. <laughs> Dave will do it, especially if it's 19th century uh, Britain fart box. <laughs> Douglas Castano, Sean Sanborn, Gabby Williams, Crystal Bird, Jennifer Finley, Alex Perez, Jason Hewitt, Travis Miller, Sienna Beckingham, Katie Harrison, Maddie S., Jennifer Patton, The Killing, Pumpkin Eater 69, Dang Gleesack, Reagan, <laughs> Brett Anderson, Compact Boy, Emma Gunn, and Pants McPantons. <laughs> Dang Gleesack. <laughs> and it's spelled out so perfect. It's Dang Glee Sack. <laughs> Bravo. Well done. Bravo, sir. All right. Thank you very much. We are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Um, if you search us on Patreon, we don't pop up because we're an adult content show. So you just have, will have to type it in or Google search it. We don't even hardly say cunt. Why are we an uh, adult show? <laughs> There's like, you know, one cunt every month or something. Come on. This cunt. Is that the barometer know. for <laughs> I don't know. what makes you an adult show? Seems like the most offensive word. Not in Australia, though. Those guys love saying cunt, calling each other cunts. That's probably the most offensive word over here. Yeah, not over there. They to love me, it. the most offensive word is Australia. <laughs> so, right? <laughs> no. Fuck them. <laughs> so, anyways, that's what I got. What do you guys got going on? <laughs> for iTunes, I have one for Bam Burl, Sarah Russell, 86, Michinoku, Drunk Driver, God. <laughs> so Taka Mishinoku used to be a wrestler and his finishing move was the Mishinoku driver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he made it extra. Mo Riley, Ellie 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 99, Nice Mank, and Mikolia. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. A lot of good reviews this week I saw. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We'll take it. Dave, you got anything else? No, I don't have anything. No, no, I don't have anything. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> All right, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Necronomapod, necronomapod.com, Amazon.com, search Necronomapod, and Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. We appreciate all of your ongoing support. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next week. 
All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>